0: Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, our guest is Wayne Ung, and he brings 20 years of general real estate management experience with hotel-specific management since 2013. And he invests in several hotels, including properties in Columbus, Ohio, Tucson, Arizona, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, as a couple of different markets that he's invested in. He's also focused on extended stay hotels. So Wayne, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be on.
0: (laughs) So Wayne, can you give our listeners a little bit more of an insight into your background? And how did you even get started with the hotels? Was that the first asset class that you went into in real estate? Or, you know, was there a story prior to that?
1: Well, my family's always been in business. So, you know, I came here into, we came into Seattle and then we went to LA. and We stayed over there for six years. And then we came over here and did a liquor store. And then we got access to big sales. And then we got. Um, there was a piece of land that was for sale, and we we did a shopping center there. So we built it up new, and that was a headache for us. And then 2007 hit, and we bought a bunch of rental houses. And I was like, "Oh, this is great! Getting rental income is great." And because you know you put 20% down, and the houses were about I think about half the price, so they were going for about two, I think 175, and then we got them for a hundred. And so that was good. And then I was like, oh, what's the next step? Because, you know, the banks were giving too many problems. So I went to my local real estate estate club and I bought everything in there. So I bought apartments. I bought, you know, so this guy, I paid $5,000. He had done, I forgot the number, 30 apartment buildings or something like that. It was 30 years. But anyway, he showed me one in Amarillo and he said it was 100 units. You have to wait six months for it you were going to make $5,000 a month. And then when you finish it, you're going to make $150, $150, $150,000. And I was like, that's it. I've got to wait six months and I've got to do all this. I've got to fix all this. And I've got to go to Amarillo, where a city where nobody wants to go into. So I was like, no, I'm living here in Dallas. And then, you know, at the time I had the liquor store and I was cash flowing $30,000 and we had all this other income. And I was like, no, that's okay. And then somebody, you know, showed me about these hotels. And so I was like, Hmm, the cash flow is a lot bigger and it's, you know, you can uh, force the appreciation and the competition is not so much. So I got called in for this property in Columbus, Ohio. It's 135 units. It's in Morse Road. It's, I think, 71. So it's the only hot, the only hotel that's there. crosses is two. The next one is like, got like 16 hotels. Next exit. And then we're 10 minutes down from downtown. Like I think the Holiday Inn was charging $100, but after you paid all the fees per day, it came out to be like $175. So they would p- charge you for parking. They would charge you for other things, internet fee, everything else. So we had customers that would co- go over there, like stay at our place for $60. So they could have an operation. They would be there for like five days. So like they would come in from Detroit and they would come in here and they would say, well, okay, it's cheaper to pay the weekly rate than to pay the daily rate. So they would do that. And that's how we got some of our business from there. So this place here, I'll give you a little history about it. It's 135 old fair filled in, built in 1986. So this lady comes and gets it in 2008. She finds out about it. The bank wants $4 million for a closed hotel. And she goes, okay, we'll talk later. 2012 comes. They sell it to her for $600,000 and she puts $400,000 with a hard money loan. And a year later she gets cancer. So they call me in. So I put the down money and then we go and work on it. It's got seven different seven different colors and then it's got about 10 different leaks in it. So as we fix it up and everything that goes up to it, we get the colors and we get the signage and everything goes good. And that's how we got, uh We had a music festival. We had cars, car shows, we had uh, bodybuilding. And then we had, in the fall, we had the college football games. So that filled up all the way until about every weekend until November. Then it was a dead season. But in the, the slow season of the hotels is that uh, most co- hotels will lose money or they make a little bit of money. And so instead of for us, I think we were cash flowing about Maybe $10,000 or something like that. And keeping the place warm because it would be like about negative 60, negative 40 outside with the wind. So it gets really cold. But our extended stay helped us out a lot on that. So that really helped us out. So that's why I was like, wow, the cash flow was great. And the customers that were coming there, it's like, you know, I had an old man that says, I always stop here no matter what it is. It's a Fairfield Inn or it's a Motel 6 I like the location, so I was like, "Oh, wow, many people were going to Detroit or something and would stop by before they go. We had truck drivers that just wanted a place to stay, stay there for a few hours, and we could charge them $60 or whatever our daily rate was that time. So, And the crew, you know, I like the crew that was on there. Every uh, hotel that we have, we have a crew that's just basically a family that takes care of the place, and we just oversee it. Uh, most owners will probably just take out the money. I mean, this first owner went away for embezzlement, and then the second one ran off with the uh, all the money and just left the bank with it. So it's uh, that's the things about these hotels. It's just like take all the money and never put money back in. So you're supposed to put in two to three percent back in so you maintain the property. <laughs> But a lot of people still about. do that. Yeah, they still don't, you know, they still don't do it. I mean, right now we have a problem with the assets here. It's like the owners are getting too old and the kids don't want to take care of it. And so they can't, you know, most of them are owned by Indians. So we have to, they don't even want to sell to other Indians, how funny it sounds. So they don't even trust them.
0: <laughs> so what are some of the things like as you're getting into the hotel business, and did you go in mind with the extended stay model going into hotels? Were you actively looking for some type of extended stay options? And what are some of the, the things that, that were some barriers to entry for you to get into hotels your first time?
1: Barrier was just probably just education. And, um, you know, these are, you know, we have to like negotiate them down, get um, seller financing on them. Uh, we're looking for good locations. And so and their business is not running good that way they can't uh, get financing. The new buyer can't get financing, so they have to offer seller financing. So we could get anywhere from 40% down or 10% down. So that's the that's the barrier was just the knowledge of knowing about these before. But now I'm I've done three and I'm the trusted franchisee from there now. So he trusts me. So what happens is I can use their manpower, I can use their um, financing I can use uh, whatever resources they have so I could call in a manager to train in a a location or they can take care of the location until we get a capable manager so
0: so then once you take over a property what is the process for you to take it over and to what do you do to revamp it or what do you do in terms of operations as soon as you take it over to improve it and everything
1: Well, we have to adjust and see about the personnel that's there. If they're no good, we might have to fire everybody. But usually we'll keep a few people and we'll assess everybody, see how good they are. That's usually what it is. Just we need the personnel to go along with us because they know they need to take care of the um, renovation. And once the running a hotel is different from renovation, so they're... During that time, the manager has to wear kind of two hats because they have to um, take care of the, I'm sorry, (laughs) renovations. But also, uh, you know, we'll always have somebody there, but she, you know, the manager usually takes care of a little bit of it and we'll have to uh, lower the rates just so allow for other people. So they're not used to staying there. So we have to lower the rates to uh, get our business to come and stay in there. Uh, But once we get them up, then we start uh, raising the rates. So as soon as it's uh, painted and it looks a lot better than it was before, they will understand they're willing to pay more.
0: (laughs) We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about. Serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So like within the hotel space and the extended hotel space, you know, like what's a typical like break-even occupancy that you guys?
1: We see the break-even at 55% to 65% of gross. So if it's on a million dollars, you need to reach, you need to sell about in a given month, you have to sell 55 to $65,000. And then anything over is profit.
0: Got it. So then, you know, like, I guess as you're taking it over, your rates are fluctuating up and down constantly based off of the seasons and events that are going on. How do you determine what are the rates and how do you, from a system standpoint, how do you determine what's the most optimal rates to be able to use? Because that's going to impact your bottom line, essentially, right?
1: Well, it's ours. We run it a little bit. Ours is a little bit different because we're extended stay. day. So as we see our occupancy go up, we don't have to really dictate. We can see what the rates are and then we can see what our competitions are. We'll just call up the other hotel and we'll just ask them, what's your rate? We're friends with the other hotels. So they will tell us, okay, our rate is this much. And it goes, okay, we'll go like $5 cheaper than you. And so we'll get the business because most people will look for uh, rates. To go into here. So these are economy, these are for contractors, Walmart customers, blue collar. So they're not the kind of hotels that we, me and you would stay into. So this doesn't, that's why Airbnb doesn't hurt us because Airbnb is going after Marriott, not us. But that's how we do. We're competitive with other hotels around us, but our occupancy helps us out with our bottom line. Even if they can go up higher, they won't get the occupancy that we do.
0: Got it. And so then on these properties, the acquisitions that you guys have, do you also, do you you structure these as like syndications as well, where you're taking limited partners and then operate as general partners yourselves?
1: Yes, well i have so, a i have some partners that will come through they syndicate just like apartments a
0: mm-hmm.
1: whole time is three to four years and then you're refinanced out so you get about 80 to 100 percent of your uh principal back and the uh, cash flow starts somewhere around six months after we uh get into a property
0: i see so then the structure is very similar to like you mentioned like an apartment structure so do they typically offer like like what's an average i guess cash on cash and like that you're seeing in the hotel business right now or at least in the next day business
1: well we offer it a little bit simpler so we'll give you out i think about seven to ten percent preference and then we'd like to say it's somewhere around 15 percent to 24 percent or more depending on the project so ours are very simple we don't have different levels and I get questioned a lot about: Well, if I put hundred thousand, what do I get? Fifteen to twenty-four thousand. That's it. <laughs> "There's no other, no other numbers." So that's what makes it really simple.
0: So then, what is you know going into this type of business model? What's like the biggest risk that you typically see? And then, how do you guys hedge against it?
1: I think it's the biggest risk is probably finding the right personnel. Uh, right now, we're having problems finding the maintenance guy. And we'll get the manager. So sometimes it's easier to get a manager than the maintenance guy. You know, that we have our ways of getting maintenance people. So we'll fly them in from another city or we'll hire them away from another hotel. So I had a famous story that us like uh, my last property, we couldn't get a maintenance guy. And then I saw on Facebook this other hotel was paying this other these people $16 an hour. And I was like, OK, so I messaged them and I said, I'll give you a dollar more. So I got four people from there and we finished the hotel there. <laughs> so that was so funny. I was like, you know, everybody was like, how'd you get all these people? And I said, you never know me. So.
0: <laughs> so then you're also investing in places like Ohio and Arizona and New Mexico How do you choose the markets that you're invested in? And like, what drives you to those markets? What do you look for? Uh,
1: We just look for big populations. Um, Our requirement is uh, at least uh, two lanes of traffic or three lanes and then the freeway, but there could also be a university, could be a college, could be a hospital. So those are big driving demand generators there, so. That's really good. I mean, our ideal place would probably be a freeway with six lanes of traffic going across in front of you, backing up to a university.
0: (laughs) So, for you also, what do you see? Like, in you know, the next short term, long term, do you continue to see the the demand for extended stay hotels continue to increase, or do you think it's going to at least like stable out a little bit, or do you think that the demand is going to continue to rise much
1: higher and higher. I think it's going to just keep going higher and higher. I just saw a report that they're not building enough houses, apartments fast enough. So we see our demand is just full. I mean, in uh, Phoenix with the, with the brand, I mean, they're charging over $400 a week for two to 300 square feet. So, and the prices just keep going higher. So I don't see it um, going down anytime soon. For the for, for both C future.
0: Got it. And so for you, what are you looking to focus on next in your business?
1: I think I'm going to be taking money here and looking for other investments. So um, as I make cash flow from here, I need to invest in something else. I haven't seen it, but whatever I like or something like that sees really good. I mean, I would probably go through that. I would look at the operator and see how they are but if they're doing good returns why not invest in there Would like my money to work for something else also can't be holding on to it all the time
0: (laughs) and actually right before this we had talked a little bit about evictions and like how it's different within the extended stay hotels versus in the hotels or in the in the apartment space like for you guys as you have an issue with a resident or a tenant someone who's renting the place from you and there's an issue. How How is that something like that get resolved?
1: Usually the staff will probably take care of it if they get a complaint from somebody else or they see it. They'll just go in there and say, you need to leave. Your options are to leave. And then if you refuse to leave, it's as fast as the police come. There's no court dates. And so there's no paperwork. They signed in their agreement. They made their deposit uh, when they first come in and they make their payment every week. So if you don't make your payment, that's one grounds for eviction.
0: (laughs) Is there a time limit for how many times they can continue to extend their stay?
1: No, there's no time limit. What happens is we might sell out the room. Let's say that you're here for, let's just say three weeks. On the fourth week, somebody else is renting your room. Then you have to leave. So, you know, it's best for them to pay up up to their room. We've had people pay up front like six weeks or something, eight weeks, so get we can save that room. High demand uh, locations, you can do that. So they can just pay up front because if you don't pay, you lose your room.
0: <laughs> Got it. And so for you, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far?
1: It's really good. I mean, I like it that somebody else takes care of it and I just have to... Uh, just look at reports and I can be anywhere doing remote checking on it, everything. So that's what's good about it.
0: And what do you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started?
1: I would say that the younger person I would tell them that you're gonna have obstacles in your life and that you should go through them. You'll see light at the other end. It's not as bleak as what everybody tells you. So
0: <laughs> what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing?
1: I think it's the free time while you're making money. That's the enjoyment out of it. So
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Wayne, if our listeners wanted to find more about you and your story and um, what you're doing in this space, where's the best place that they can go to reach you and to learn more about your uh, hotel business?
1: So My email is wayne at hotelcapitalinc.info and my website is hotelcapitalinc.info. You can reach me there and then we can go further from there. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, Wayne. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review.